everyone. Welcome back to That on Paper podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today's book club. We're talking about Followers by Megan Angelo. Grace, I just finished rereading this book this morning. I am so excited to discuss it. I finished as well. I feel like we finished right around the same time. We were we were like down to the wire. It was it was so good. I think I liked it even better on the second time. I think I liked it better as an audiobook because of the voices. Oh my god, the audiobook was so good. Yeah, it was really good. We'll get into all of that, but before we do, Grace, what is your high this week? So I got my closets redone. And it's the best money I've ever spent. I don't know why it took me living in this apartment for two and a half years to get that area taken care of. It looks so good. If you guys are curious, I have a closet makeover highlight on my Instagram, which also says who I worked with and everything. But um, they did such a good job. And it was half the price of Container Store. Holy shit, it looks so good. The first thing I did when I came over, we record at Grace's, is I went into her closet area and it, oh my God, it's amazing. Makes me so happy. Everything's been such a mess back there for so long. Like, even when it is organized, like, a garment rack will just randomly flip over. I have closet FOMO because I feel like this started because I said that I wanted to redo my closet. Mm -hmm. And now you got yours done and I still have janky (laughs) closets. You got to do it. You got to do it. I know. It's on the list for 2020. But, oh, my God, it looks so good. And you didn't get – you did mostly hanging space. I did hanging space with shelves above it. The shelves were like such a game changer because I don't have any storage in my apartment. You know what I want? I want um, shoe cubbies. Cubbies. Yeah. And then I also want some drawers. Yeah. That's kind of like what Kate Small did. drawers. Yeah. I have drawers all, all over my apartment, so I didn't care about that. Yeah, but I want them in a closet. Like I'm – I feel like my sports bras are – need their own drawer or you know like mm-hmm. i i don't want huge drawers like sweater size drawers i want yeah. small drawers okay like yeah. winter stuff like gloves and hats and yeah. stuff i don't know yeah well i'm very happy it looks so good it makes me ridiculously happy it's just so organized like just even having like i had all my sheets and my towels like in um in my windowsill because it was like the only shelf that would would hold them like and Tyrion loved it because he would like lay in the sun and lay on top of all my blankets but now I have shelves and they're all neatly stowed away. It looks really good. Thank you. What's your high? Okay. So my first high is that last week I felt like I was getting sick and I didn't get sick. On Wednesday and Thursday of last week, I just I felt like I was going downhill. And then I woke up Friday and I was fine. So I don't know if it's the flu shot that I got or if the sickness just decided to go somewhere else. But that was a high point. And then I feel like such a dick saying this because I'm not talking openly You're being about that it yet. person. I am. But things with my secret project are really heating up and it feels <laughs> real. So we're working on branding right now. So okay, so basically there's like a few things that need to happen before I can tell you about it. One is that we need to have our branding done. And two is that we just need to be I feel like we're just at the hump now where I'm like, oh, yeah, this will work. We're not going to like give it up and feel like idiots if we announce it. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just at the top of that hill and then like we're going to do our branding and then I can talk about it. Do you think you can share it next week? Probably in like two weeks. Okay. But yeah, I've been getting so much work done on this. You know me like hopefully I stay more committed this to this than I did to my sweater. But, you know, like at the beginning of a new project, there's nothing that I'm like. This is a little different than a sweater. Yeah, it's different. It's like sweater. a new business. But, you know, like I just have that Don't like compare it to your beginning sweater. of something feeling where I'm like, oh, I'm so all in. I'm so excited. 
<laughs> Hopefully it's not like the sweater turned my out. The sweater isn't done yet. Oh my God. Anyway, so that's just been giving me a lot of um, joy. Yeah. What about on the low front? So this is actually funny because I got really sick. Um, I got, I woke up, I think it was Monday or Tuesday night. Monday, yeah, it was Monday night in the middle of the night and I was just really sick to my stomach and I was like, this is bad. So then I like woke up on Tuesday and I was like, oh, I'm fine. It's fine. And then I got like, I got my period and I was like, oh, I just have cramps. It's fine. And then like by Tuesday night, I just felt like really bad. And then I like, I had a fever. I was sweating. My stomach was upset. I was like very, very sick. Plus I had period cramps. Um, It was really bad. And Yesterday, so today's Friday. Thursday, yesterday at, at about five, I was sitting on the couch and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like a human. Did you get a flu shot? No. Oh, you're I living ne- on the edge. I never get a flu shot. I always get one. Um, I don't know. I don't like shots. They make me nervous. I, I sound like such a baby. But I also like don't usually, like I don't, I think I have a pretty good immune system. I've been around people who are sick like all year and I haven't gotten sick. I feel like I don't get minor sick. I only get major sick. <laughs> like I get sick once a year and I get really sick. Yeah. But I don't have a lot of like colds or yeah. little things throughout the year. So I always get the flu shot because I feel like I have a really bad track record with getting the flu. I've never had one before. Oh, yeah. The other thing is my Japan trip got canceled. Speaking of getting sick because of coronavirus. Oh, well, I mean, I think it was ultimately for the best. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't obviously wouldn't want to get sick. But then hearing like these stories of people getting quarantined, because if you're exposed to somebody who has it, you'll get quarantined for like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So imagine if I was just stuck in Asia for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like that wouldn't be good. But hopefully it'll get rescheduled or it's just done. They're saying maybe May. Okay, but I don't know. So we'll see. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm I, I don't know. It's fine. Huh. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm kind of feeling like a weirdo shut in this week. So I don't know. Like that sounds like such a great feeling to me. I'm like, that sounds wonderful. Shut well, me in. <laughs> Keep me inside. <laughs> away me, from the people. <laughs> let me explain. So I feel like most That's your high. That would be my high, Becca. (laughs) No, it's my low. I feel like, you know, you hear so many people who work from home talking about the mental toll that it takes where you feel like you're just like, I I do not relate. Clothes. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Like, I feel like I haven't encountered that necessarily, or at least not for a prolonged period of time. But this past week, I hardcore feel like I have not worn real pants. Do not know what day or time it is, if it's work hours or non-work hours. (laughs) I've just been, I mean, part of it is that with this new project, I added something to my plate without taking anything off. So I just have more to do, not in a complaining way, but I'm just feeling like I need to go out and be with humans. That's so funny. I don't know. I feel like a shut-in because I've been sick, but I love, I mean, that's the good part of being sick is like all the TV you can watch and not feel guilty about it. I guess so. I watched a lot of TV this week. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people end up, I can't work unless I have dead silence. So I feel like a lot of people I know work from the wing or Soho mm-hmm. House or work from somewhere so that even if they have a heavy work week, they are still around, are people. Still around people. But I'm like the opposite because I can't get good work done unless I'm home alone. Oh, interesting. I can work at a Soho House. I'll just put headphones in and listen to music. Mm-mm. Oh, funny. Uh, you listen to podcasts while you work, too. I can't do that. That 
is different though. That's more like certain tasks, like a lot of the like creating collages and graphics and like anything visual. Mm, I can that do. makes sense. Not anything written. Yeah, I don't listen to anything. I can't. I don't like oh, noise. I like music. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, the more I work, the more of a weirdo shut up, shut in I am. That's funny. So before we get into this, quick desperation minute, um, leave us a review if you haven't already. Or We got so many cute ones this week. I know. People love the episode with Taylor. That made me happy. I know. Me too. I'm glad we didn't get doxxed. I know. I was worried we were going to get doxxed. Um, I don't think we're using that right. I don't think so either. Yeah. But I was worried people would like leave us mean reviews because of that drama. Um, or if you've already left us a review, take a screenshot of an episode if you're loving it and put it in your story to recommend it to the people who follow you on social media. You don't need to have a big following, um, but it really makes a difference to spread the word about the podcast to people who don't know about it. Yeah, do it. Okay, so let's take a quick sponsor break. This episode is sponsored by Penguin Random House. Um, They are doing something really cool in March as March is actually National Sleep Awareness Month. Yeah, so this is a cause we can definitely get behind. So Penguin Random House wants everyone to read to sleep. And we love our sleep. So one thing Becca and I definitely can fall victim to is furiously scrolling through Instagram before bedtime. So meanwhile, reading or listening to a book right before bed is proven to help you fall asleep faster and give you better quality sleep than looking at your phone and doing things you shouldn't be doing. Oh, so I shouldn't be on TikTok before bed? No. Read. So a book is the perfect barrier between all the stresses of the day and your REM cycle. So we've talked about this before in our self-care episode, but we have been conditioned to think of wellness as synonymous with luxury. So your expensive fitness classes and your green juice. But meanwhile, reading a book is such an incredibly powerful form of wellness. So here's a challenge. For the month of March, commit to reading 10 to 30 minutes every night before bed. It's an easy lifestyle change that makes a huge difference. You can let us know how it's going by using hashtag read to sleep. And we have a fun giveaway to share. So Penguin Random House is also partnering with Parachute to give away a dreamy bedding set and 25 books of the winner's choice. So to learn more about the campaign and enter the sweeps, visit prh.com backslash bad on paper. I love parachute so much. I mean, I love books too, but parachute bedding is so nice. So we're going to put this link in the Facebook group and the show notes. But again, that's prh.com slash bad on paper. Yeah, go enter to win free books. And bedding. Amazing. What's better than that? Okay, Grace, should we get into the plot summary of this book? Yes, this book is so intense. Okay, so the book opens in the year 2051 with Marlo breaking into an apartment in New York City, and we know that she's trying to escape someone. But then we flash back to Orla in 2015. So Orla is a journalist for a celebrity gossip website called Ladyish.com. She's been covering a starlet named Sage Sterling, who has just died. At 28, Orla is struggling to realize her dreams. She knows that she wants to be a novelist, but she can't actually bring herself to write a book. And she's finding New York to be not quite as glamorous as she had hoped. She strikes a deal with her Craigslist roommate, Floss, who is an aspiring singer and internet celebrity, to cover her on Ladyish to raise Floss. Floss's profile. In exchange, Floss says she'll bring Orla along for the ride and help her get her book pu- published. 
So in 2051, Marlo lives in Constellation, California, which is a gated community of influencers who broadcast their life to their followers 23-7. Oh, my God. So at any given time, 11.6 million people are watching her go about her daily life, which is currently sponsored by an antidepressant called Hysteral. So she doesn't know anything different because she grew up there. Her mother, Floss, was one of the original talent. So Marlo's life is not completely scripted, but it's definitely really closely controlled and produced for the audience, which is how she ended up marrying her husband, Ellis. So this season, Marlo's plotline is having a baby, which is something she's been assigned, not something she's chosen. So in order to get pregnant, she's going to need to wean off her antidepressant. In both timelines, something called the spill is alluded to multiple times. So we know that it happens in between the two timelines and that it's something catastrophic that changed the course of the United States history. So in the future, everyone uses what's called a device, which is kind of a smartphone equivalent that's implanted in your wrist and it taps directly into your brainwaves. So using it, you can send messages, you can search information, or you can watch movies all inside of your head. So sometime between the two timelines, it had been discovered that the use of screens led to a kind of rapidly degenerative dementia. So Marlo's father is deeply affected by this, and he's living in a nursing home, while her mother experiences brief periods of fog. In the past, Orla and Floss's plan is working. So suddenly, their apartment is full of free products from brands. Floss decides that getting together with Aston Clip, a crass teen YouTube star turned singer, would help her get even further. So she engineers a meeting with him, and soon they're dating. The new couple status leads them to a reality show called Flossed in Public, where Orla becomes a side character. The show becomes the biggest thing on TV. So in the meantime, Marlo is in the process of designing her baby using a combination of her and Alice's DNA. So during the process, it's discovered that Aston is not her father. So her mother's DNA wasn't analyzed because they decided not to use it. So Marlo is really rattled by this news, and she decides to run away from Constellation. So she books a flight to New York in cash, and she decides that she's going to disappear from there. But by the time she lands, the network has started a manhunt for Marlo, offering prizes for photos of her and tips on her whereabouts. So she is hiding in a museum that is dedicated to the history of the internet before the spill. And she manages to turn up pictures of her mother and Orla in the past before the internet shut down and was replaced by a government-owned internet that exists currently. So back in the past, another central point of Orla's life is her obsession with her high school crush, Danny. So she finds out from her parents that he's getting a divorce, and soon after the show blows up, he shows up outside her apartment, part of the throng of fans that camp out there daily. Orla spots him and feels like it's fate that he's shown up. They start dating, but after a few weeks, the idea of Danny starts to wear off, and Orla realizes she's embarrassed by the real Danny. As an adult, he's stayed in their hometown, managing a cold storage facility. He's gained weight, he's going bald, um, and the show's producers urge her to do something about him. So she gives him a makeover. But it becomes really clear that he's using her. That's clear to us, but Orla doesn't see it. She realizes when she catches him pitching Floss a merchandising proposal, and then she breaks up with him. So in the future, Marlo is being pursued by her followers who think that the hunt is actually a game, like it's like a scavenger hunt. So she jumps into a cab and she heads to Orla's old apartment 
where she'd found the address for it in the internet archive. And that's where we found her at the beginning of the book. So a bot is pursuing her there, and he's there to retrieve her on behalf of Honey Mitchell, who's someone that Marlo knew as a child when she came to Constellation as an exchange student. Back in the past, Floss and Orla get canceled, both literally their show and figuratively as people. Floss had posted nude photos to Instagram, and a teen girl named Anna saw them and posted her own homage with a caption about Floss representing real Latina bodies and that she hoped to meet her one day. Her classmates ridiculed her, one of them even posting, kill yourself. Floss commented, I agree, you should, in, in reference to meeting her, not killing herself, but her comment was misinterpreted and the girl did kill herself. So in the aftermath of the suicide, a few things happened. So first, Anna's mother begins stalking Orla. Second, Orla realizes that she's pregnant. And third, Aston feels extreme guilt about Anna's suicide. So to soothe his guilt, Aston buys an apartment to try to give to the girl's family, but ends up accidentally burning it down while he's making a social media tribute. So because of the fire, Orla misses the appointment for her abortion, and she never reschedules it, more out of complacency than actual desire to have a baby. So Floss gets Orla an interview with a literary agent who is expressing interest in her book, and Orla thinks that she is finally going to make it as an author. So when Floss proposes that her and Aston want to adopt Orla's baby, after some convincing, she eventually accepts. So then in the future, Marlo is staying with Honey in New York City. Honey has become the face of the privacy movement for which she sells people homes in expensive new gated communities where they can live offline. Marlo has found a letter from Floss to Orla in Orla's apartment and realizes that Orla is actually her mother, not Floss. But Orla has been 404'd, meaning she's gone private. I loved that. Um, Honey tells her she's in Atlantis, a separate country built over Atlantic City that's fully offline. Honey offers to help get her there. That The night that Marlo is supposed to leave, she overhears a conversation between Honey and Ellis, where Honey is proposing handing Marlo over in exchange for the opportunity to sponsor her on behalf of privacy. Marlo flees on her own. So Orla is nearing her due date and is at home while Floss and Aston are getting married on live TV. And she's blindsided when she sees Floss walk down the aisle pretending to be pregnant. So Aston's publicist calls Orla in an outrage to tell her that Floss and Aston had scammed her. So they'd planned with a network to have a new show surrounding their life as new parents, but they didn't want to adopt and the network wanted the baby to be theirs. So they set things up with the literary agent to pretend to be interested in Orla's book and to make Orla willing to give up her baby. Oh, my God. So then the night that Orla gives birth, the spill begins. So the internet is gone. Nothing electrical works. Anna's mother, who'd been camping outside Orla's apartment, is the one that takes her to the hospital. Orla gives birth to Marlo, and using the distraction of the spill, she secretly leaves the hospital. Phones start coming back up, and when they do, they expose the person's deepest secrets. Affairs, medical records, and then they are sent to the person you wouldn't want to see it. New York is in chaos. Floss shows up at the apartment with the, the police and takes Marlo. So the spill continues for three years. And when Floss and Orla's secrets come out, they're both old news. So for Floss, it's her nudes are resurfaced. And then for Orla, it's the story about her making Floss famous using Ladyish, which had already come out. 
And so Atlantis rises as a protest movement to the new government-run internet. So Orla's parents have recently died, and she has nothing left. So she decides to go to Atlantis. So in Atlantis, she ends up opening a bookstore, and she marries a man named Kyle, and they have two sons. And she keeps an eye on Marlo while she's growing up via magazines about Constellation. So then in 2051, the plot lines converge, and Marlo arrives in Atlantis and finds Orla. And literally at the same time that Marlo arrives, Floss also shows up, and she's tracked her to Atlantis as well. So the three of them end up spending time together. Floss actually ends up deciding to stay in Atlantis, and Marlo decides to go back to New York and start over living in Orla and Floss's old apartment. And that's the end. Yeah. So we're going to discuss it. But before we do, we want to take a quick break to share one of our new favorite podcasts called But That's Another Story. Yes, you guys know how much we love sharing what we're reading at the end of every episode and in our monthly book club episodes. So if you want to hear more about stories about the magic of books, you're going to absolutely love But That's Another Story. It's hosted by best-selling author Will Schwalbe. He talks to authors, movie stars, radio hosts, and other notable guests about the books and moments that have changed their lives. It is so good. So I loved hearing Jodie Foster talk about how reading Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger convinced her to put her acting career on hold and go to college and form a community. Or finding out which writer taught Kevin Kwan. Kevin Kwan is the author of Crazy Rich Asians. Um, that his writing could be funny. The stories are really personal and insightful, and they might even change your own perspective. So you can find But That's Another Story wherever you listen to podcasts, um, wherever you're listening to this one. The name, again, is But That's Another Story. Do it. You're going to love it. All right, Grace, let's talk about this book. Okay. First, I want to talk about the audiobook experience. I loved this one. I think this was the best audiobook that I've listened to to date. Yes, yeah, same. I've only listened to three. It was just one narrator, but she had such a range of voices. She did. I loved her influencer voice. It was bad. Also, I think because the book was kind of a satire, all of the characters were a little exaggerated. So um, Aston had had a speech impediment. Anna's mother was from Staten Island. So like there were just like so many interesting voices going on. There were. I think Floss's was my favorite. Yeah, it was it, it was, it was actually like very nasal and like, oh my god. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It was actually crazy that this one woman could make all of those voices. Yeah. She's very talented. She should get more work. Yeah, the, if you're thinking about reading this, I really do recommend the audiobook. It was great. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the book really high level. Okay. I I just think the book was so well done. Like, I thought that the future that it was talking about is something that's pretty easily possible, but it was also really, really funny and it was like sharp in in that some of like the jabs it made mm-hmm. at reality TV and social media and everything like that. I completely agree. I just think that it was a really well set up world. Yes, I agree. I thought a lot while we were reading this about on um, the thousandth floor like i felt like there was a oh, lot of parallels i would much rather live in the thousandth floor f- future yeah that's a slightly less dystopian future i guess yeah yeah but um i was thinking about like the devices and the way that they could like intuit things like imagine like thinking something and then your computer picks up on what you're thinking oh totally it was really weird because one thing that they said was that the device spoke to you in your own head in the first person oh my god i know so it's like it's saying like I I'm I should eat something like 
I, I well, should be like, go back into the party. I think one example that it gave was um, to set it up, you have to like make these fake commands. And so one was searching for a local pizza place. And then it asked you, it was like, am I hungry? And yeah. it was like, oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Weird. It was really funny. I think um, it, there were just so many really funny moments to me. Like there's this one. So Marlo lives in the future and um, she's on this reality TV show 24-7. And at one point they they edit the clothes out of her closet, meaning they like take them away from her. So she decides she's like, fuck it. And she just wears a lime green sweatsuit so they can CGI on her whatever she wants. And then like yeah. in the comments, people are like, that's a bold floral, but she's pulling it off. And she's actually just wearing a lime green sweatsuit. Like I just thought there were so many little yeah. tiny things that made me laugh in this book. I thought that was funny. And I also thought like, so the fact that they're only online 23-7, so they would wake up for that one hour to do things off camera like fight. Yes, that was so funny. It was it had serious themes, but it was also lighthearted in a way that I really loved. Yeah. I also loved, I don't know how true this is to reality TV. I'm sure it's like pretty pretty close to it. But I loved how they explained everyone getting assigned different storylines. Oh my gosh, I know. And Marlo was hoping for a divorce storyline. Yeah. <laughs> or she was like, I hope that I fall in love with my personal trainer. Yeah. And then she gets stuck with a baby instead. Nothing it wrong. It was so funny. It was really funny. I also think they did a really good job being critical of the present in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Like Floss and Orla meet at a dog show, a dog fashion show that they're yeah. taking completely seriously. There's like a red carpet for it. And like Floss has like needed to cheat her way into this event. Like I thought it was very it was critical great. of influencer culture in a funny way. Oh, yeah. And like Floss's outfits, like when she shows up wearing the Spanx bodysuit. I don't remember that. That was when they first, well, it was like their first encounter. She's wearing a Spanx bodysuit, but it's actually her outfit. Oh, I didn't even pick up on yeah. that. Yeah. I also love Aston's backstory. He's... um he got internet famous because he made these videos calling his mom a bitch basically. And then he got his own reality show and then he started a singing career, even though he like doesn't seem to be talented and has a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. And then um, now he's become like a very Zen person and is like a fake artist. Like he, stages something where everyone can go sign his cast as like an art installation. Yes. It's so bizarre, but so funny. I can totally see that with all of those YouTube people. Oh, my God. I know. Or TikTok stars. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Um, what about the, the plot line of hysteria? So one thing, you were calling it an antidepressant. I thought it was more of like an antipsychotic. No, it was an antidepressant. Really? Yeah. Because I thought it was supposed to simmer her down because she got angry. Well, it kind of is, but it's it's an antidepressant. Oh, well... I thought it was the the plot line was very interesting about how she got put on it from when she bit honey. Yeah. So I didn't even cover that because there was too much. But basically the way that it happened was that when they were teenagers, honey came to Constellation and she one night they were at a school dance and I can't remember what it was. Like, I think it was that Marlo didn't have a date or didn't want to go. So she made up that she was hanging out with a fake friend. Yes. And then Honey wouldn't let it go. And she was like, we're going to go see your friend. Like, let's all go. So they end up stealing a car. They end up going to Pismo Beach, which is like kind of near Santa Barbara. And um, they end up going to this beach and they they restrain Marlo with belts. So they like 
cuff her hands and feet. And then she gets so agitated that she ends up biting Honey's face, which also I want to circle back to that one. Biting. A lot of biting plot lines here in 2019, 2020. Yeah. What was that book we read? I don't want to spoil it. So I'm yeah. not going to say the title, but you'll know it if we you read, read another it. another book. It was, it was one of the books we were considering for, an like, I think October, November. And we read it. And, and it was a great book. But then it goes really off the rails where a character bites a baby. Yeah. She, like, bites off some of her baby's face. And then like, in this plot line, somebody bites off some of somebody's face. It's like, what? Like, why is this a new plot line? Yeah, why is, is this biting so trending? recurring? But yeah. anyway, after that, the audience is demanding that Marlo get taken off the air. And she gets approached by Hysteral, which is a pharmaceutical company, for them to sponsor her. And so, like, she's the reformed, angry, bad girl who mm-hmm. now is, like, happily married and, like, achieving the American dream. Ugh. Like, also, it's pretty fucked up that they were giving drugs to teens and sponsoring them that way. I mean, yeah, that's super fucked up. But it also kind of is an interesting parallel to think about drug advertising. Because on Hulu, I don't have regular cable, but on Hulu, I get so many drug commercials and they're all like, ask your doctor about Cymbalta. And like, you know, telling you to like, go ask for a drug by name, not necessarily like... I don't know. There's something really screwy about drug companies having such big advertising budgets. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't seen any sponsor and influencer, but you can kind of imagine that being a next step. And that's so screwy. Could you, could you imagine if I was like, I'm now sponsored by Prozac? Like, right. It's so gosh, screwy. I know. It's weird. Um, one thing that really like struck me was that being colorblind was a side effect of being on hysteria. I was like, this can't be a good drug. Right. Well, that's like the whole beginning is that she gets off her antidepressant and then realizes that everything she's liked or thought has been so informed by being on this drug since she was a teenager that it seems like maybe she didn't even need. Yeah. Also the name of it. Yeah. I think that's why I thought of it as an antipsychotic because like hysterical, you're hysterical. Yeah. 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 I just thought that plot line was, it was a critique of where the advertising and like drug industries could be going that I thought was like very interesting. I felt very bad for Marlo. Like I felt like she was born into this world that she had no choice. I did too. Like I think the way that she explained it was that nobody explicitly makes choices for her, but that avenues are blocked off like being Mm -hmm. a mouse in a maze. Yeah. And that's so screwy. And she's never known differently because she literally grew up there from the time I think she was five maybe. Mm -hmm. But, oh, it makes you think about child stardom. Yeah, or influencers' kids. Like, they're just always in the spotlight from day one. And they don't know any differently, but. I mean, it's kind of less that. It reminds me of, like, Britney Spears or, like, you know, kids who grew up Mm -hmm. in in a weird way but didn't know that it was weird. And then what it it happens to to you as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. Britney Spears is a good example. Because she was on the Mickey Mouse Club before mm-hmm. her singing career, too. So I feel like she was, I don't they know, from all what were, age. Like Justin Timberlake yeah. and Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Like, all of them were in that. And um, Ryan Gosling was on it. And him and Justin Timberlake, he lived with Justin Timberlake because his, he's from Canada. Oh, my God. Did you I know that? I forgot about that. I Someone had told me he was on it, and I forgot. Yeah. I don't know. I thought another thing that was really interesting that this brought up, I'm really curious to hear what you thought, is I feel like there were plot lines in both the past and the future about 
kind of the performative nature of social media. Mm -hmm. So with Marlo, it was really exaggerated and interesting because so Marlo can also read the comments about what she's doing in her head while she's doing it. Oh, God, that's just like so, so much. That feels like such I can't even have an Apple watch because I don't want to be attached to my phone. And so she's literally in the moment that she's doing something can like live stream the comments in her head. So at one point, one of the examples that she gives is that she's on a date with somebody and nobody really likes the date that she's on. And then she goes to the bathroom and meets Ellis and then ends up ditching her date and hanging out with him instead because people like him better. Yeah. Like, oh, can you imagine if there were just like 11 million people in your head who were like doing an Instagram poll on everything you did to be like, yeah, that outfit looks great. Or like, no, don't eat that. Yeah, it's way too much feedback all at once. It was. I would die. It was such an exaggeration, but you can kind of on a lesser level, it's like when people keep telling you what they think of something, like you curb, I think a lot of people like curb that behavior. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know. It was just like on steroids, how interesting that it was like. It felt like it was plausible. Like I, 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 I think it's a cautionary tale. Like I do not want our world to go this way. But, but even just in- the feed, the constant feedback, like even, you know, a few years ago, like you couldn't comment on things or you couldn't send DMs to people, like all of the different things. Like I feel like if you're an influencer, there's just so much constant input. And this is just takes that to a whole nother level. Well, it takes it to a whole nother level. But I also feel like there's something performative in Floss's story, too, mm-hmm. where do you remember how she has a post-it note that she's like taped? Just be relatable. Yeah, that is taped to like the inside of her medicine cabinet mm-hmm. or maybe it's a kitchen cabinet. It was on a cabinet. And um, yeah, where it's like she's getting feedback from I don't know, the producers of her show to like be more likable. And so she's like actively trying to change who she is to please an audience of people that she doesn't know in real life. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought that was an interesting commentary because I do think it's true where I think like the more followers that someone has and the more feedback they have, I think a lot of people do adjust themselves in some way to it. Yeah. Whether it's conscious or subconscious. Yeah. No, I, I've definitely done it before. Just like get hearing something constantly. Your posture. My posture. Oh, my God, my posture. I'm working on – now I'm like sitting up. I need to sit up straighter. People will just be like, you need to sit up straighter. And I'm like, oh, my God, leave me alone. But like I remember I that as something that it, you yeah. you got that – what's that little thingy? The upright posture trainer. Yeah, you got that thing because you were like, people yeah. keep saying my posture sucks, so I need to like yeah. train myself. I know. Which – I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's like, not, that's not that's like a, a personality trait yeah. that you're changing. Just like. I wasn't like people said that I need to, I don't know, change my whole personality. Right. Yeah. Or like telling me that I mumble too much or, or sound like a bored teenager. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. It's just my voice. I can't change it. Well, it's just when you hear something about yourself, I think most people don't have the, like not the, I don't know if it's confidence, but it's like, it's kind of like knowing yourself to be like no, that's not true. This is, you yeah. know? When you hear something about yourself over and over again, I think it it's probably hard to always have that confidence and say, no, that's they're wrong. I'm right. Or I think another interesting part of this was, do you remember in the future where Marlo is drinking coffee, but they made it look like green juice because yes. coffee has been found out to be bad for you? Which yes. Also, that's a future I don't want to live in. Um, so she's like, I think they make it green juice or something. 
mm-hmm. but it's actually coffee where it's like it kind of reminds me of when influencers um do SponCon and then like they never use that product again mm-hmm. it reminded me of this is a funny one not funny but um straws like i always have a metal straw in my purse now because say i'm like just like on instagram stories and i go and get duncan god forbid i forget a straw and I have to drink out of use the plastic straw. People will go bananas and get so upset about the straw. It's so funny where it's yeah. like the like the little things. the little things, the little details. I was like, I get it, Marlo. Like, have your coffee, your juice colored coffee. <laughs> Should we take a quick sponsor break? Let's do it. I'm so excited about this sponsor. So this is a brand new sponsor for us. And if you've listened to our travel styles episode, which is one episode that I feel very passionately about. Um, You might know this. I am a very anxious traveler. So even if I'm at the airport two hours early, I still get that I might miss my flight kind of anxiety. So our new sponsor is Clear. Clear makes your life safer, simpler, and more secure. So with Clear, your eyes and your fingertips get you through security faster at airports, stadiums, and other venues. I absolutely love Clear. This is a big stress reducer. It gives me the peace of mind with a simple tap of a finger. I can zip through security, get to the gate faster, and reduce that pre-flight stress. More time to stop and get TCBY Froyo. Or more time to line up at the gate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But what I like to say is that with Clear, you become your ID. So Clear replaces the need to have a physical ID card because you're using your eyes and your fingerprints to get you through security and because you as yourself are the best ID out there. So it's super easy to sign up. I enrolled online. It only took me a few minutes. Once I got to the airport, I finished signing up with the help of a friendly Clear ambassador. Once you... um. Sign up. You don't need an appointment to do it, and it only takes five minutes. And once you're done, you can start using it immediately. Yes. So Clear is not just for airports. So with Clear, you can get through security faster in over 65 airports, sports venues, and other locations across the country. So more are being added every day, and they also have family plans. Clear members can add up to three adult family members for the discounted rate of only $50 each per year, and kids under 18 can tag along for free when they're traveling with a Clear member. Clear is the absolute best way to get through airport security, and it works great with pre-check too. And right now, listeners of our show can get the first two months of Clear for free. So go to clearme.com slash BOPclear and use code BOPclear. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash BOPclear. Code BOPclear for your first two months of clear for free. What a good deal. So I also want to tell you about another new sponsor that we have. So today's episode is also brought to you by Rothy's. So 2019 was the year that I learned to wear sneakers outside of workouts. And my current favorite sneakers are the slip-on ones from Rothy's. So I've honestly thought about making these my obsession a few different times. I've been wearing them basically nonstop since I got them a month ago. So I got a pair in black, and then I liked them so much that I also got a second pair in tan. So the first thing I love is that they are so incredibly comfortable. I didn't have to break them in at all. They were comfortable like right out of the box. And that's pretty major for me as a New Yorker because I don't have time or patience to deal with uncomfortable shoes because I'm walking everywhere. And I also think that they're really cute. So you can wear them with jeans and a sweater and I feel put together. Or I can also wear them with workout clothes if I'm running errands. 
And one of the coolest things about Rothy's is that they're made of recycled plastic water bottles. So to date, Rothy's has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills. And another big plus is that the shoes are machine washable. So if they start looking gross, you just throw them in the wash and they're good as new. But hot tip not to put them in the dryer because they're made of plastic water bottles. So I think they melt. So in addition to sneakers, they also have loafers and they have their signature pointed ballet flats, which is what they're best known for. So they come in tons of colors and prints. There is a very cute leopard print pair that I was tempted by. I might have to go back and get them. And they launch new colors every few weeks. So go check out all of the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash B-O-P. So go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash B-O-P to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes that you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash B-O-P today. Let's get back to the episode. So I really liked the whole like bit about internet safety um, that we come across when we get to the spill. I feel like I'm becoming more paranoid between the episode last week where we talked to Taylor Lorenz. Oh and my then God, yes. I was going to say the same thing. Thinking about the spill, I feel like I'm rethinking how lax I am about internet safety. Same. You know, I feel like it's also... I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like also my information gets compromised so frequently Mm -hmm. that I'm kind of desensitized to it. Like, I feel like my credit card or various like accounts I have, like my Macy's account when it got hacked, I feel like that happens once a month. Where like I don't even think it's a big deal anymore. You're like, oh yeah, this just happens. Yep. I'm like, yep. Oh, my uh, credit card got stolen again. Good. Oh my God. Um, so I feel like I'm like kind of desensitized in a bad way. I'm not desensitized to that. I still freak out if it happens. And it only happens to me like maybe once a year. Oh, maybe it's because I'm too lax. It's I don't know. all the time. I do get freaked out about privacy. Like I had, this is a weird story, but a long time ago um, when I first moved in, I painted my door and I just did like on my Instagram story, like a, like a story of painting the door and it was my front door and somebody who reads my blog like I guess walked by and was like I- I'm outside your apartment and th- they DM'd me so it was like af- it wasn't like current and I saw that and I just got super freaked out yeah that's yeah I didn't like it didn't- I always think about it if I'm like when it snowed a few weeks ago I w- was like wanting to take a picture outside my window yeah and then I was like oh I wonder if that's to revealing like if you wanted to know where I lived like you could see the street signs in it and I was like oh I'm not gonna post that yeah or like if I'm taking outfit photos I never shoot like right outside my building yeah yeah just just little things like that that's interesting yeah I thought I also you know what another thing I think about is like I don't really do this and I also live in a building with all my friends but with influencers when they travel especially ones that like have like these beautiful houses like People could f- track down their property records, figure out where they live, and go rob them. That's what happened to Kylie Jenner. Like, she had to stop posting when she was on vacation in real time because her house kept getting robbed because people knew where she lived and she would post that she was away so people would know that nobody was there. Yeah, there's this one really popular blogger, and like, it's easy to find her house if you look up property records, and she's always traveling. And I was just like, I hope she has really good security. Yeah. Yeah. This is a total sidebar, but just things I think about with privacy and, and stuff like that. So, in the book, the spill is basically 
I think it's called emotional terrorism is what they call yes, it. Yes, that's what they call it. Where these hackers basically like hack into the internet and power grid and then shut it down, mine everyone's secrets, and then start releasing them. I was trying to think of what mine would be. I was too. I was going to put that in the outline and be like, what would your se- what would your secret be? Well, I certainly don't want to tell everyone. Yeah. I don't know what mine would be. I feel I like I'm either. so open online. Like I think similar to Floss and Orla, they kind of like it wasn't a big deal for them because they were already public. Yeah. Like they're living their life so publicly that like there wasn't anything that you could tell somebody about them that they hadn't done themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting where like there was a plus to them being as hateable mm-hmm. as they were and People like making such them. reprehensible decisions. Yes. It was like, oh, well, they've already aired their own dirty laundry. Yeah. Because, like, it was described in such a dark way where as the spill was happening, like, the suicide rate, like, skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. And, like, even at hardware stores, there was, like, a patrol guy who was asking you questions if you were buying rope or something. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, in a back, in, like, a backwards way, they were kind of some of the only people who weren't really affected by this bill. Yeah. This book was so clever. Like, they really thought of every little detail. I know. I also thought there was something really interesting about the privacy movement in general. Mm -hmm. So, as, like, a backlash to... As a backlash to, like, how everything is being shared, people are going private. And I just... There was something brought up at one point, and I don't remember what the context was, but it was about how there's a technology line where there's people who, oh, at the museum, how there's people below the technology line who don't have a device. Yeah. And so they still have to use speakers. So it's like people are struggling to get above the technology line. Most people have technology, but then there's these people who are opting out of technology. And there's kind of privilege in that. Yeah. Even if you think of it like... um, if you think of it in terms of like the most famous celebrities, none of them are on social media. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt is not. Jennifer Aniston just joined like last year and got like 5 million followers in a day. Yeah. But she's not sharing the same way that, you know, no. like the Kim Kardashians of the world are yeah. or whatever. Or Busy Phillips. Or... Yeah. Or like, I, well, I don't know. I don't think Bill Gates has an Instagram, but maybe, maybe he does. Let's find out. I'm gonna... I don't know. But it's like you have once you get to a certain level of fame or wealth that you can opt out of technology and that oh, that's he's got it. Oh, he does. It's a, this is Bill Gates. Oh, he's got 4.7 million followers. Wow. Sorry. But it, it is interesting that at a certain point you can like opting out of privacy, opting into privacy is a lifestyle choice. Totally. We're like, if you were, if, if you just decided tomorrow that you didn't want to have a phone, you would be like, a hipster, you know? Yeah. Like, that wouldn't be a... That would be a weird choice for you. Yeah, it would be really weird. I'd also be out of a job, probably. Well, yeah, in your case. But you could... If you were Bill Gates, you could just be like, no, like, somebody will do that for me. Like, yeah. I don't need to have a phone. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that point. But I thought that that was But it was, like, a privilege to opt into this privacy movement. You had to be really rich. Yeah. And that it was also, like, commoditized as a movement where honey wanted to use marlo to like get people to think about going private yeah poor marlo yeah i know she was just like the pawn in so many and also the advertising schemes and kind of just like the product of like floss and marlo both making bad decisions yeah yeah 
Yeah. I feel bad for her. Also, what about the side effects of social media and screens? This was terrifying. I mean, I'm kind of... I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I was going to say, I was like, it hasn't happened yet, but I don't think it... Yeah. All the blue light stuff. It can't be good for you. I know. In the book, they basically from looking at your phone too much... Well, some people got dementia, but then some people go go into these fogs, and so floss in the future like doesn't know what what's happening part of the time. Yeah, it's so scary. Uh huh. Yeah. Apparently, in the future, we're not going to have phones or coffee. Yeah, that's pretty sad. But it's, we'll have we'll be able great. to think. We'll just be able to say to ourselves, "I feel like watching Blade Runner," and then just like watch it. <laughs> I could be watching a movie right now, and, and you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> I think I would know. I think you'd be pretty distracted. Yeah. What would my eyes be doing? Like, what do they look like as they're like, Yeah, you know? I don't know. I thought another interesting part of the future plot line was the hunt. And that basically when Marlo went missing, the network made it as if it was a game to find her. And it just, it made me think, I've been thinking about this a lot. Did you watch the Taylor Swift documentary? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. It made me like her a lot more. I've always liked her. I never disliked her. I just. I guess I've never thought about how isolating it must be to be Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift. And I I felt like the documentary really made me think about the negatives of her having that fame. Yeah. So I guess that's just been on my mind a lot lately. But The Hunt also brought that up for me where it was like, you don't have any free will. And like everywhere she went, there was somebody who wanted to take a picture of her to sell it or Oh no, I meant Marlo. No, I know, but people were like touching her in that first scene when she like gets when she first gets there. Oh, like the mother was like, "You can't just touch them." That made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's interesting that yeah. that stuck with you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like being touched by strangers. Yeah, it was. I don't know. I just I feel like Marlo is a celebrity, obviously in a really different way than Taylor Swift. But yeah. it was an interesting parallel about like who would want to be famous in the first place. I would never want to be really famous. Well, on the flip side of it, Floss says when after they get canceled, she's on an interview and she says somebody asks her why she thought she deserved to be famous. And she said, I think I'm special. Wouldn't everyone do this if they could? Uh, No, not everyone would, Floss. But it was (laughs) it was so funny that that's the way her mind worked, where she was like, of course, everyone would want to do this. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It was also interesting who wanted fame after the spill yeah. when they talk about the founding of Constellation. Yeah, and like it was only the like B-list celebrity, not even B-list. It was like the D-listers, like yeah. that wanted it. Whereas like anyone big, like the real like actors and musicians and people, like were like, I'm out. I'm good. No yeah, thanks. I was picturing it kind of as like one big VH1 reality show. I was picturing it like like that or like um. What's that show that puts all the old Bachelor contestants together? Uh, Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> I was thinking of that. Kind of, yeah. It's like a mishmash of like all these like people that had like minor celebrity. Yeah, and like Floss was first in line. Yeah, she's like, sign me up. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, you know, another part of the story that I thought was really well told, this is like such an insular story, but when they were talking about New York, during a disaster, during oh the spill. God. Yes. It was giving me flashbacks of Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't live in New York for 9-11. I was in high school still. But yes, I was in college. But Sandy was big. Like, it was really scary. I remember I lived in an elevator building, and we, like, couldn't get up and down 
um, we had to go, we went and did you live below where the power went out? Yeah. Yeah. We had to go stay at a hotel. Oh yeah. I feel like it was crazy. I, one of the things that I remember so vividly during Hurricane Sandy. So basically if you don't remember this, because if you don't live in New York, it was like probably a very minor hurricane. The power went out in New York city for about a week. Yeah. And it was basically everywhere below 42nd street. There was no power. Like including stoplights, like literally everything. Yeah. And I had this really, I have this memory of, so we worked at Bobble Bar at the time. And for whatever reason, well, I know the reason. So Bobble Bar was like four blocks down from the Empire State Building on the same side of the street. But they had power. And they had power. And it was like the only place below 42nd Street yeah. that had power. I remember and we were staying at the W, which is like just north of, of Bolivar, like 10 or 15 blocks. And I was like, I'll just walk there. And then walking in like pure darkness with no street lights or anything, I was like, I'm going to die. Well, I remember. So I lived, I just moved to New York and I lived in this sublet on 44th. So you could, it was really weird because out of our windows, you could see, like, if you looked towards downtown, it was just black. Yeah. But um, the photos from that were it was incredible. crazy. But I remember the first morning, when we had to go to work, um, I took a cab because I was like, oh, like you couldn't take the subway. I was like, okay, I'll just like take a taxi. And there were no stoplights. And mm-hmm. it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. That's funny. I had the, a similar experience because I walked and there was no lights. Like it's really weird. But I feel like the author, I mean, she probably lived in New York during this because it was mm-hmm. like, it was so accurate to First of all, the weird camaraderie. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, like, random bodegas were just, like, giving stuff away because they didn't have refrigeration. So, like, there's, like, a weird sense of community. But then there's also just, like, weird things about living here. Yeah. When there's no power during an emergency. Yeah. It was – I felt like it was very it was very reminiscent of that. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. Did you end up feeling bad for Orla at the end of the book? I did and so I did and I didn't in some ways. I mean, at the end, it seemed like she like found her, her a better life than Floss had. I guess so. I felt bad very specifically at the point where Floss shows up with the police and takes Marlowe. Yes, I felt like specifically very bad at that point. But I mean, I think one of the hard things about this book is they were both such terrible people. Exactly. Second month in a row with a terrible people book. Yeah. What is this? But um, had a lot of terrible people books. Like I how, like terrible people books. How could she had some terrible people in it too? Do you, do you think we're drawn to terrible people books because we're I terrible don't know. people? Should we, is it because it's bad on paper is our name? I don't know. We have all bad characters. I Because I think like I I loved the book because of its thoughts on like the future and social mm-hmm. media. Like I thought it was so interesting and like sharp. But of course the people were so terrible and I really didn't feel bad for Orla. I only felt bad about the baby part. Yeah. Otherwise I thought I, the character I felt the worst for was Marlo. Like she did totally. not sign up for this life where she lived her eye in the public and like getting sponsored by this drug brand at such a young age. Totally. And her mother making all these terrible decisions for her that she had no say in. And her and her mother being kind of like an absentee mother too. Yeah. It was it was awful. Yeah. Um I, I she was the character that I felt worse for. 
And it's interesting how it ended for her. Mm -hmm. And like, she just chose this like life away from the public eye. Like she went and became a waitress, I think. Yeah, she became a waitress. And I think she says something about it's the least seen and most important I've ever felt. Yes. I love that quote. I Yeah, I thought it was interesting where it was like she went the opposite direction and she found her fulfillment through being not famous, where her mother was like, her trajectory was the opposite. Like they were mirror images, basically. Yes. Like Marlo's born famous and she just wants to be unfamous. Yes, I know. I mean, I think that that's what we're going to see happen with, I mean, even with like a lot of of child stars that they that they've kind of gone off the grid um i think that influencer kids will probably like be like i don't want to be a like in the public i don't know i i think it's okay so i was reading this article yesterday about the most famous high school basketball team in the u.s it was in new york magazine did you see that no it's about this prep school in LA and it's basically like Dwayne Wade's kids go there and LeBron James's kids go there and they have this like sick basketball team where basically just like people are sending their talented students it's not like they all are based from LA yeah. but it's this high school basketball team that's like really huge and LeBron James's son I guess is super internet famous okay he has like 4.3 million followers and is like has his own security guard at the games and it's like really crazy but these kids like it also part of the thing was that they're drawing crowds that are bigger than some NBA games. Oh, my God. Not like the Lakers, but like, I don't know. In the article, it was talking about how they were in Minneapolis and how they played at the stadium and they had a bigger crowd than the night before when there was like an actual professional basketball game on. Oh, that's crazy. And um, I don't know. Like, I think it's interesting. I think that the fandom for celebrities, children is is like reaching its it's getting bigger because it's like think about it so most celebrities who've had children who are old enough to be interesting so like old enough to be teenagers like the people who are are their fans aren't are like our parents age you know yeah it's like people who aren't deeply invested in social media versus i feel like the first wave of celebrity children that like our generation cares about are are coming of age yeah because, I mean, like, you know, you have the Surrey Cruises in the Northwest, but they're they're like little kids, you know, yeah. like they're not sentient and making their own choices versus like, I don't know, like, I feel like it's like. It's kind of like watching, what's her name, Kieran Shipka, the girl from Mad Men. Oh, yeah. Like how she's grown up now. She's like a little fashion plate. I love totally. all her outfits. I follow her on Instagram. It'll be interesting to see what happens to like this wave of child stars to talk about another article. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with any of this. Did you read the article about Tavi Gevinson? No. Do you know who she is? Yeah, yeah. Is Obviously, it, fashion rookie. Yeah, she, like, like she started her fashion blog when she was like, I don't know, like 10. Yeah, something really young. And she got all this fame. And there was an article kind of recently about how she doesn't use social media anymore. She has an assistant who posts to Instagram for her and how she's like had kind of like interesting the backlash experience. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, I think like the celebrity kid thing is going to get more interesting i think you're right as people that we care about their kids become yeah old enough totally or people that we've followed like the surrey cruises in the northwest of the world get old enough to do things yeah that are controversial it'll be interesting for sure i know that was a weird tangent yeah well back to the book i love that they made atlantic city the seceded colony it was really funny cracked me up i was just like this is such a funny place to choose it was 
that storyline was really great. It felt a little rushed to me at the end where they were like trying to explain everything. It did. Especially listening to it as an audiobook. I was like, oh, wow, this really just like rushed everything. Because I feel like there was a, there was trying to be a storyline about immigration because Marlo has to sneak into Atlantic City because yeah. they've made it its own mm-hmm. like country. Well, back in the present day, the the president is like totally Trump. Like the and way he builds that, a wall yeah, around it. He builds it. a wall around it, and he's like, "If you don't use this internet, this internet is amazing. You're stupid." Like he's like, "They're yeah. afraid of the internet. What's wrong with them?" Yeah, I was like dying. It was really funny. That part felt, I don't know, that felt a little rushed to me. Yeah, just like coming in. The, the ending felt rushed, but it end. was such a long book that like. What do you do? You know, I didn't realize how long it was when I was reading it. But then when I was listening to the audiobook, it was 13 hours and some, mm-hmm. which is longer than a lot of the other audiobooks that we've yeah. done for the podcast. I didn't realize when I was reading the book that it was that long. It took me much longer to read Good Girls Lie than it did to read this. Do you know what? I think that this book took me longer to get into. Like, I I remember texting you. I was really confused for the first 50 pages or so because I Mm -hmm. couldn't keep the character straight and I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, because so we were really between this and Uncanny Valley for our, our, like, book club pick. And, well, we didn't like – neither of us liked Uncanny Valley. But we were, like, really, like – I I loved this book right away. And you were a little bit more on the fence, I think. Well, I was just confused. But then once I got into it, I was, like, very invested. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It yeah. felt like it went faster than the amount of hours that the it did. audiobook was. Yeah. Shall we get out of our book? Any other thoughts on this book? I don't think I have any other thoughts. I I, I just felt like this book just made me really think. And I think it's just such a good, like, thought-provoking conversation starter. I think it would have been, like, a great book to read with a, a real book club. Totally. <laughs> okay, let's get to our obsessions. Okay. I have two obsessions. Well, I have three. Oh, my God. Okay. So my first obsession. So if you remember over Black Friday and Cyber Monday and like late last year, I was on a quest for sports bras. Yes. So at the time I was looking for like low, medium impact sports bras for Pilates and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I've started going to a lot of dance classes because I want to be a TikTok famous dancer. I don't know. I just want to dance. I don't know. So anyway, I've started going to a lot of dance classes and I need a higher impact sports bra. So I bought this one on Amazon because it was pretty cheap. And like a lot of the high impact sports bras are really expensive. And I bought a couple of those too. And I ended up loving this one so much more than any of the expensive ones. Oh, wow. That's always... So it's the Under Armour Eclipse sports bra. And there's two different ones. There's one that has a zip up the front. And I didn't get that one. So I can't vouch for it. But there, it's the one without the zip. Um, it's $39.99, which compared to like I, I tried one from Lululemon and I tried one from a small brand that I don't want to call out. But I didn't love either of them. And they were like $90. And this one was... What kind of sports bras are these? Like really high impact sports bras. Okay. And this one's $39.99, and I was, I'm, was i like, a very big fan of it. I just bought two more. Amazing. Um, so that, and then my second one, I can't remember if we talked about this last year on the podcast, but um, I am a very big fan of Cadbury cream eggs. Is it that time of year? Well, so I went to Dwayne Reed today to buy toilet paper, and it is that time of the year. Oh, my God. Cadbury cream eggs are out, so I bought 
a little package of three, and I'm so excited. I haven't. I miss Cadbury eggs. I like the mini eggs better than the cream eggs. No, I like the big ones because the cream part is the best part, and I feel like the mini ones don't have enough cream. Oh, I feel like there isn't any cream in the mini ones. Oh, you're talking about just the chocolate the eggs, chocolate ones not the, the mini candy versions. Yeah, of no, the I don't like those Cadbury cream eggs. The cream eggs, I. I have to have like a very specific craving. Like I'll have one like maybe one. The I whole love year. them. They're just so sugary. Like I will be sick afterwards. It's worth it because I love it. But I don't know. I'm also just more of a high chew person for my candy. Well, I'm very happy that it is Cadbury cream egg season. My other favorite Easter candy is um, the Whopper eggs, like the malt fall eggs. But those weren't out yet at Twain Reed. I was going to get those too. Mm. What are you, what are your three obsessions? Well, it's actually like this is going to be pretty quick. It's because I was sick. So I put on my Instagram, and you guys should look at this post if you need a TV show. It's it's me. I'm wearing a blue blazer. And I was just like, what TV show should I watch? And it has like 300 comments with just everyone sharing their TV recommendations, which I love. Because now I'm just going to like go back to that post every time I need a show to watch. So several people I respect, one of them being Nicolette Mason, it's like, please just watch Love is Blind so I have someone to talk to this to about this. And I was like, all right. Like, sounds good. It's crazy. So, Becca, do you know the premise of the show? No, but I asked you. You were trying to get me to watch it yesterday. You know who likes I, it that who? you really respect? Who? Kate Childs. Um, I don't like reality TV, though. I don't either. You know, I will occasionally watch The Bachelor and I watch Southern Charm. I don't watch reality TV. Okay, tell me the concept. So this is, it's Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey's show, and it's on Netflix, and the premise is that all the women are kept together and all the men are kept together, and they can go in these pods and talk to people, and they are basically encouraged to find the love of their life without ever um, seeing them, and then, you know, the the conversations get more and more in in depth, and at the, um, the end of the first part... They get. They have to propose if they if they find a connection, without ever having seen the person, and you know, like say yes or no. And then once they get engaged, they get to meet, and then from there they like all go on these vacations, like to like get to know each other better. And then from there, there's weddings. <laughs> Gracie, you look like a gleeful child right it's now. So bad. I am completely caught up. The finale is next Thursday, so if you're listening, it's the day. It's tomorrow. <laughs> it's wild. It's so messed up. It's so weird. The characters, there's one woman on the show that is just so, so, I hate her, but I like love watching her. It's really messed up, but it's really fun to watch. So I highly recommend it if you want something mindless and dumb. And this is coming from someone who doesn't watch reality TV. So I'm just saying it's wild. The next thing that I've been watching is The Outsider, which I knew it was like I've a I've heard thriller. a lot about that one. Yeah. This is um, the new Stephen King show. It's on HBO. And this is more – I was just told it was a thriller, and I was like, cool. But it's more than that. It's like a horror movie. I um, I mistakenly thought that there was only six episodes because, you know, you, like, look at something and you're like, oh, well, it's there's six episodes. It's done. So last night I stayed up till like, 1230 – watching it thinking that it was going to be done because I was so freaked out by it. And I was like, I just, I just need resolution here. Oh, it's not done. It's unlike what we're now conditioned. It's not, they didn't dump all the episodes at once. It's every week. Oh, so you've watched all the ones that they, there are, but yes. there's more coming. There's more coming. So that one, I think, yeah, it's on HBO. It's terrifying. Like it's, That's not for me. I don't like scary This is shows. not for you. But I do think you should watch Love is Blind. 
My third one is um this floral designer, which I'll talk. Oh, I thought this was another show, and I was like, Grace. No, no, I'm done with TV. Just those two shows. <laughs> I only I was only sick for two three days. Um, my third third one is this floral designer called East Olivia, and I've been to several events where she's done the arrangements, and I've been to like some restaurants, and her work is just so recognizable. She works with a lot of dried flowers and like creates these really beautiful pastel arrangements. And I've always been like, oh, it'd be so nice to own one of her arrangements. So it was on Urban Stems. One of my friends got engaged, so I was sending her flowers. And um, I like, I'm scrolling through and I was like, oh my God, East Olivia is on here. So she collaborated with them to do these really beautiful dried floral arrangements. And I got this one. You'd like it. It's like all pink. And it's, I saw it. Looks like I feathers saw you post it on Instagram and I I was very intrigued by it. It's really pretty. I ha- I felt weird ordering myself on Urban Stems. Like it's one thing to go to the bodega and buy yourself flowers. It's another thing to fill out the form where it's like to Grace from Grace. Because it's not, there's no option to just like, I'm buying this for myself. Self-love, Grace. Self-love. Yeah. But I bought it and I love it. And the cool thing is because it's dried, it lasts like a year. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a little expensive. It's like $80. But um, I mean, a lot of flower bouquets are like $80 actually if you order them. So, but it lasts for like a year. What about on Instagram? I don't have one. Um, I didn't really have one either, but I put down East Olivia because you guys should check her out on Instagram. Her flowers are amazing. Or I, I don't even want to call them flowers because they're more than that. But I just love her work. On reading, I have a lot to say. Me too. Okay. So on reading, so I finished Our Stop, which was the British rom-com that I was reading last week. I thought it was adorable. I think that if you um, like the genre, this is like very cute and happy and you'll you'll like it. So that's by Laura Jane Williams and that's out now. So then I read the book that Grace was reading last week and I read You Are Not Alone, which was both of our book of the month this month. Grace. You know that I don't usually like a thriller. Mm-hmm. I was so into this. It's so good. And the whole time you were asking me if I liked it and you were like texting me to like check my opinion. And I really was concerned because I thought that it was going to go off the rails and it didn't. It didn't. It stayed good. Yeah. That's my problem with a lot of thrillers. Sometimes I try to go for something so fantastical that then it like ruins it for me. Yeah. This one stayed good the whole time. I ended up really liking it. It was really good. Yeah. It's really good. Then I I apparently did a lot of reading this week. So then I read Would Like to Meet by Rachel Winters. I thought this was very funny. It is very, it is every rom-com cliche rolled into one book. So it's a British rom-com and it, the main character works for a, a, screenwriting agent and one of the agency's clients is this like big shot screenwriter who won an Oscar and has signed on to write a rom-com and he's refusing to write it so they make a bet where he'll write the movie if she actually manages to meet somebody in the way that they do in a rom-com so like the first chapter she's going around spilling a drink on people trying to like strike up a conversation it's full on cheesy but I thought it was so cute I stayed up way too late one night because I was just like so into it it was like a warm hug it was really happy so I loved that 
And then I f- last night, I felt like I needed to do some housekeeping. So I finished up The Two Lives of Lydia Bird, which is the new Josie Silver book, who's the same author from One Day in December. And that comes out early March. I did not love this. Oh, no. That was going to be what I was going to read next. It was a little too sad for me and I wasn't in the mood. It's about a woman whose husband dies and it was a little too emotionally intense for what I w- was wanting. Oh, okay. It was good. I would say like I would probably give it like a three and a half stars. Okay. But it was a little bit of a slog for me to get through because like once I realized how sad it was I didn't want to keep reading it. Okay. That's a bummer. I know. I think it. I think it's kind of more about like right time, right place than it being a good or bad book. Yeah. What about you? Okay, so we have a lot of overlap. I finished You Are Not Alone by Sarah Pekinen and Greer Hendricks. Loved it. Like this was exactly what I wanted. I wanted one of those thrillers that keeps you up all night. Um, it's amazing. The angle hasn't been done before. It's just fantastic. So I will just say, read that book, you guys. That's high praise from you because you've read so many. So for you to say that you haven't seen this angle before. Yeah. yeah. This gets my highest praise for thrillers. Like, And of course, like I will caveat, this is not great literature, guys. This is just a fun thriller that's going to keep you up all night and keep you guessing. The next one I read was Our Stop, which you told me to read. Um, so I'm not a big British chiclet person. Like I was, I found myself very annoyed at all of the like rambly long sentence structure. It was funny because Becca and I were talking and she's like this, like you, you're not alone. Like it's not very well written. It's just so terse and there's not a lot of character development. And I'm like, well, then you have our stop and it's just like flowery, flourishy, long run on rambly sentences about every single emotion and what she's feeling. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm getting like exhausted by this main character. This is what always happens to me with British chiclet is like once I um, kind of like it's like reach an equilibria almost like once I settle into the book and like get used to how they write, I'm like in and I love this. I um I thought it was so cute. I like needed to know what happened. Like it was one of those books where I woke up. Sometimes I'll just wake up early but not want to like get out of bed. So I'll just go back to sleep. This one I woke up at like 630 and I just read until eight and like finished the book. That makes me so happy that you liked it. I did. The other one I read is um, The Other Misses, which is by Mary Kubica, who is the author of The Good Girl. I think it's Kubica, so sorry if I butchered her last name. Um, She wrote The Good Girl, and that was one of my favorite thrillers like years back. And this one is good. It's I wouldn't say it's like as good as You're Not Alone. Like You're Not Alone, I just like freaked out over. I loved it so much. But this is good, and they're actually making it into a Netflix show. Oh. But this is about – this family that um, undergoes some hard times, but um, the husband's sister kills herself. Um, and so they move to Maine from Chicago to take care of the husband's niece. And because the niece is like 16 years old and they take over this house and all these weird things start to happen. And then there's a murder um, across the street, like their next door neighbor basically gets killed and so it's um it's got that unreliable narrator like you're not sure like if she's sane if she's good or bad like you're kind of like "Mm, i don't really trust you i love an i love an unreliable narrator um and it's it's good 
It's, okay. I would give it like an A minus B plus, which is still high Oh, that's praise, really good. Yeah. But it's not as good as You're Not Alone. Like You're Not Alone just like really made me so – it just like scratched that thriller itch so hard for me. And now I am reading Would Like to Meet, which you also gave to me. Um, so I'm I'm into it. I'm at this stage where I'm past being annoyed by the characters, but I am um, not fully invested yet. Okay. We'll get the update next week on where yeah. you net out. Yeah, you will. Should we tell them what we're reading next month? Yeah, I feel like we have. So we'll do our announcement. I don't know. Maybe let's give you some context. So like literally until 10 minutes before recording, if you asked us at different times during this month what our book was going to be for March, we would have had 15 different answers. We've been reading a lot of like a lot of the books that we've told you about. We've been vetting for podcast picks, but um we, we couldn't really find one that we, we've we both felt really strongly about. Yeah, for like one reason or another, whether it was like too close to something else we just read or something we have coming up or just like this was like that there ha- were triggers, like there were triggers in some of the books and we just we just couldn't find anything. So eventually we just decided that we wanted to pick a great book, even if it wasn't new. So we're picking something a little older this month. I haven't read it, though. So this is all on Becca. I think... Everyone's going to like it. So I'm really excited. I need to order it right now. We're going to read I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. So do you remember when Ashley Spivey came on our podcast last February? I think we asked her for her top three books. I'd never read any of them, never heard of any of them. They were all great. So this was one of them. The other was The Idea of You by Robin Lee. And then Tell Me Lies by Carola Lovering, which we both loved. Oh, so this is like the Ashley Spivey trifecta. But anyway. It sure is. Um, I loved this book so much. I've made a bunch of my girlfriends. I read it over the summer, maybe. Um, but I made a bunch of my girlfriends read it. And everyone kind of wherever they fall on the reading spectrum has really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So it's technically YA, but it's it's very, it's somewhat more literary YA. It's not, um, it's not like high school schmaltzy romance YA, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the book is about these twins. One's a boy and one's a girl. And um, it's told in two timelines. We're very into two timelines books. Oh, that's another trend. Biting and two timelines. So and mean people. It's No, these are, these these people are, are likeable. very likable. Okay. So it's told in two timelines. And in the past, they are inseparable. And then in the present, they're not speaking. And so one is told by one of them and the other one timeline is told by one of them. The other timeline is told by the other. And it kind of goes through what happened and why they're not speaking. And there's love, there's self-discovery, there's art. Like it is just one of the most well-written and heartwarming books that I have read recently. Like it is on one of it's on my default recommendation list. Like if I don't know somebody and they're like, "What's a good book I should read?" Yeah, this is one of them. I'm really excited. I don't know why I skipped this because when Ashley recommended those books, I read "Tell Me Lies." Was obsessed with it. That would have that would be a great book book club pick if we ever do another like old one. Mm. Um, the idea of you, like those are two of my favorite books from recent times. Yeah, so I can't wait to read this one. It's so good. I I really hope everyone reads along with us. Or maybe you've already read it. It came out in 2014. And it definitely was popular, but it certainly wasn't on my radar at the time. So I am very excited to read this. Go back to our YA roots a little bit. 
and read a book with likable characters this month. Yes. I'm excited. So please join us. We'll talk about it the last Wednesday in March. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, if you have thoughts on this book, we'll definitely start a thread in the Facebook group. Um, Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.